Thank you for tuning into the Hope When There Was None podcast. And here we share stories to educate you, to empower you and inspire. So thank you for listening and tuning in. Please do me a favor and share if you have a favorite episode, or maybe you think somebody else that needs a dose of positivity and to maybe break open some of the darkness, let there be light. So thank you again for all of your support and encouragement. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, it's Melinda. How are you doing? Coming from Hope When There Was None. I'm coming to share another reading from my book. I hope you join me. And if not, I hope you do me a favor and watch the replay. If you are doing that, do a hashtag fire emoji and uh, let me know your comments and thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. What is your story? Uh, Also, any comments? Yeah, and and just what I'm reading. Um, Have you experienced something similar like this? And help me by checking on your neighbors as well, spreading awareness by sharing my page. I would appreciate it, but I'm going to dig into this. This is my book called Master, and I wrote this. It was a very healing journey for me, but it was very hard, and even now, it's still a little hard to read, and afterwards, after this, it's, there's kind of like a, a letdown, a, a come down, where it's like, wow, I forgot that happened, and after time, you would think, well, I'm never going to forget about this, but after time, things just like slowly, you, you come down from the emotions, and all the crazy that you were experiencing. So there is a time, honestly, I'll I'll be truthful with you, there will be a time where one day you won't be thinking of your ex or toxic person. You will all of a sudden be driving or just washing dishes and you'll be like, man, I think I need a haircut. And that's the only thing that comes to mind. And I, I know I joked about this in a blog post I did, that my ex didn't come in my mind at all one certain day. And all I can think about is, man, I really need a haircut. Should I go long? Should I go short? And it's been kind of a running thing with me. Like, man, I feel really good. I'm not thinking of that person that's, you know, been plugging my mind for years or months. I am now concerned about normal things. Do I need a haircut? Do I have eggs? Should I go get milk? I, you know, looking over my shoulder, I wasn't afraid to see a white van or a black truck anymore. Or if I hear someone's Nextel phone go off, it didn't freak me out. Or, you know, just little things like that, um, it, it doesn't freak me out. Or to see a text message from him. I even have like a spooky, um, what do you call it, ringtone for him. <laughs> kind of a, a weird ringtone. And his uh, emoji for, or his picture for him, because I still keep him in my phone in case something happens to my son, um, is the guy from Psycho. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but Norman Bates. <laughs> That's his picture. Hey, Bubba. So let me get into this. This is chapter nine. And I think this is important that we touch on this because our children can be affected by by this. They take and process these things different than we do. Hey, darling, thank you for watching. We as adults are handling these type of emotions way differently than kids process them. So for them, they might have, uh, they might become cutters. They might... Uh, decide to do, um, not decide, but things happen where they start biting their nails. Good morning, sunshine. They could also, um, maybe other kind of, uh, they pick up other habits, uh, hair pulling, pull out their eyebrows. My daughter was pulling out her eyebrows and her eyelashes. One of my daughters was um, cutting. But this one is, Mom, I Want to Die. So we're in chapter 29. Uh, Here's a quote. It's hard to look for the light when you're lost in the darkness. It's unknown. So this is September 2009. One morning before school, Miranda was crying in her room. Now, this is my oldest daughter. 
I asked her what's up. Wasn't she feeling well? She continued to be plagued with some sort of stomach ailment. We later contributed just to stress. We chalked it up just to that due to our circumstances. Hesitant to say anything, she announced that she wanted to die and that this divorce was all of her fault. I was quiet, feeling my heart rise to my throat and I choked back tears. Miranda was inconsolable. Even Terry couldn't reason with her. Feeling worried that she might be following through on taking her life, I called Will. Our attorneys had advised us to do this during any pertinent issues that arose with the kids, anything that's life-threatening health situation that arose that we should go ahead and talk to each other, try to remain calm, try to be civil and communicate with each other. I advised her, I advised him of what was going on and he, uh, I told him I was admitting her to the local hospital for observation. He was agreeable and said to bring her over. Uh, he would take care of it. The health insurance was under his control, so to his to some extent he needed to do this for insurance purposes. So the girls and I piled into the van. The kids needed to catch the bus for school. So at this time again, my son is with Will, my oldest son, so I just have the two girls. So uh, she was very upset, of course, over the situation. She clammed up when she got into Will's house. I remained in the van and spoke to Will through the passenger side of the window, which I rolled down partially so we can briefly and quickly discuss the situation. While doing so, the girls rushed inside the house. The weather was cold. It was pretty miserable on a rainy day. He asked if he can come in the van, but I said no. Please let me know how it's going with Miranda. I'll just go and see her later. I couldn't take any time off of work. I mean, with my job, I let them know, and I encourage you to do so. If you are going through any situation like this, if it's not a toxic workplace, but if it's a, a family situation and you're going through this, I encourage you to talk to your boss. Let him know what's going on. Early on, I let her know, and I'm glad I did because my ex would call me, well then my husband, would call work. He was trying to get me fired from there, so he would call repeatedly. He'd hang up, or he'd try to speak with my boss and tell her made-up things about me. He was doing whatever he could to get me fired. Um, again, it was not uncalled for him, uncalled, no pun intended, for him to um, call where I was working 10, 20 times within a couple hours. He did this for a few days, and then my boss says, you know what, we're attorneys. We can sue you. You better stop harassing her. So he did stop, but I was up front. I let them know, this is crazy going on in my life right now, and I need you to be aware of this. But there was also these emergency court dates and hearings that started to come up. I had no control, and then things with the kids were coming up, situations such as this, where I needed to take time off. I needed a half day here and there. And it was getting very tense at work because of these, these this time. But I, I made sure I was going on, but I was a receptionist. They needed somebody at the front desk. So I had to be up front, but at the same time, I know my job is just like hanging on a thread because of this time. It's, it was so volatile. So, I mean, I not only had the stress from work, but the home, with my ex, it was it was crazy. So I'm not again not sugarcoating anything, but I want to let you know that these things can happen. So be upfront with the workplace. Please do that. Let them know what's going on. Thank you for all the viewers on here. So um, so let's see. We're in this van. I'm telling him this is what's going on with your daughter. She wants to die. She thinks that this is all her fault. Well, she didn't tell me more things about it until later. So let's get into this. So. Uh, he asked if I would at least come in the house, and I declined again, saying goodbye. The window was just open enough. This was my mistake. It was open just enough. He got his arm, 
in the car window, in the car seat. I had my purse next to me, which is a no-no. I learned this the hard way, ladies. Don't leave, or even guys, don't leave your purse or personal effects on the seat next to you. Because that's where he was talking to me. He was talking to me on the passenger side. So he just went and swooped and grabbed my purse. Crap. You know, that was my thoughts. Like, well, I didn't say crap. I said the S word. So I needed to go into work. I, um, so he snagged it. He ran in the house and he slammed the door. I needed to get to work. He needed to take Miranda to the hospital. He was screaming at me through the door because I jumped out of the car. I had sense enough to take my keys. I'm using them as a weapon in case I need it. So I have the keys in my hand. I run to the door. I'm pounding on the door and give me my purse. And I, I need to get to the purse. And he's screaming that I'm a terrible person, that I must not care for the kids because I'm leaving them with him, especially since he's supposedly a bad person, which really went to my heart. Like, you know what? He's right. And I just, I felt like I was in a rock, between a rock and a hard place. I really did. I calmed down enough to tell him because I was like hyper mama, mama bear at that point in time. I calmed down enough for him to please open up the door so we can talk to him about the situation. So he's got me now. Honestly, y'all, he's got me. It was very serious and I know she needed help. My daughter needed help. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I can talk to him. I'm not going to go into the house, into the house, but I'll talk to him at the door. I can hear him yell for the kids to get their asses back upstairs because we had a three-story house. And the basement is where we're at right now. So he told them to get back upstairs because all three kids decided to come on down and see what's going on. So they, I heard the click of the door. The door swung open. He pushed past me, throwing my purse outside. So he has my purse. I'm like in the door, not ready to come in. He pushed past me. He threw my purse in the middle of the driveway, and he's laughing. I stayed in the doorway, and I refused to budge. I was not going to budge. I needed to. I didn't know what his move was going to be next. I didn't know if he was going to grab me and chokehold me. I didn't know what his plans were. So I did grab my purse and ran to the van. He screamed at me, you're a dumbass. You ruined the family. It's all your fault. The, and I felt this way, that the kid's behavior is my fault. I did. I took this on myself. And uh, he said that I failed as a wife and a mother. It was like a light swift, a switch had thrown, and he says, Mel, please come back inside. Please. I'm sorry. He, like, really softened, and, you know, I felt like he was very genuine. And he says, I'm just, I'm just upset. Can we just please talk? I felt very uncomfortable and told him I really needed to get to work. I could not afford to lose my job. I can go in probably a half day, but I need to discuss the, ma the matter with my office manager. Behind Will, I can see the kids peering out behind the door. They were whispering to each other loud enough for us to hear him. them. He yelled for them to go upstairs. Hey, Miss Bonnie. Miranda says she didn't want to leave me alone. She's so brave. God bless her. I mean, honestly, she was so brave throughout this whole thing um, that he needed to leave me alone. And I reassured them that, hey, mom's okay. I got this. We're okay. We're just going to discuss this a little further. I hesitantly came to the door. So you know this is a setup. I mean, you know this in your heart, and I knew it in my heart, too. But, you know, there was still a tiny piece of me that wanted to believe that he was honestly going to change and that, honestly, maybe he would, would not that I would get back together with him, but that he would um, just become a better person, that he wouldn't harm us anymore. And I honestly believe that, and I lied to myself. So I didn't go anywhere, anywhere into the house. I just stayed by the door. Hey, baby cakes. So he turned on his heels and hurried about 20 feet away from me towards the basement door while the kids were still lingering in the process. It scared Miranda, so she quickly closed the door. All this time, I am standing on alert. Oh, thank you. Not wanting to make a move, I still held my keys in my hand. 
you know, between, like I had mentioned yesterday, just kept them in between my fingers like a weapon. And I argued with myself, I should have just taken her to the hospital myself. So he walked towards me in a calm fashion, and it all seemed at once, then he charged at me. He slammed me in the back of the door so hard that I could feel like my teeth rattle. My jaw ended up hurting. My head hurt. I saw stars. He grabbed my keys. He threw them on the floor because I kind of let go. He grabbed me, threw them on the floor. We wrestled at the doorway. I wore heels on purpose. I usually don't wear heels, but I wore them on purpose. And feeling a rush of adrenaline, and then the opportunity to protect myself arrived. I jabbed my heel into his foot, and at the same time, I punched him square in the face, and I scratched his arm. I startled him enough to stop. Yeah, remember that? I, I froze. I, I, then I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. He just looked at me like, like, like cartoon car character there, just blue. And he was so amazed that I did that. And he's like, you bitch, you effing hit me. I have people that will take care of you. That was his threat. A common threat is he would have someone take care of me. And I believed him, especially since the murder for hire. So he lunged at me again, and I announced that if he laid a hand on me, I was going to kill him. I surprised myself when I said those words. I really did. And then I rushed outside. I half expected to see him come and get me and run after me, but I quickly jumped in the van. I don't even remember the drive back. I really don't. Everything was like a big fog. Um, I felt like a fool. I put myself in danger. I could have. It could have ended a lot worse than it did. I beat myself up, literally, about the chain of events that led to that confrontation. I came in. I didn't say a word to Terry. He sensed something was wrong and asked if I was okay, and I just crumbled in his arms. I, all the tears that I held back was just like gushing. I was like ugly, ugly crying. My ears just started, ears, my eyes just started leaking. I babbled at him, the exchange, and he's like, whoa, whoa, slow down. And I told him about everything within minutes. He went ahead and, and called work for me, let my manager know what was going on, and he took me into the police station. We filed a police report, and we were hoping to get a restraining order again, and I was just quiet. I literally felt like a, a truck had hit me. Everything hurt. Um, I was worried about the kids at that time. What if he did something to them? What if he took that, all his pent-up emotion and aggravation from me out on them? We arrived at the police station. My statement was taken, and the pictures of my bruises were taken for later. But, of course, the officer advised me that they didn't have a camera, and they asked if I wished to have an ambulance, which I probably, looking back, I probably should have. At that point, the adrenaline was leaving me. I was exhausted. I felt cold. I was shaking, so I was in shock. I finished the remaining paperwork for the protective order that was granted. It was in within minutes. They granted that. We hurried back to the apartment. He tucked me in, and then I fell into a deep, welcoming sleep. All that stress just left me. It was like, whew. But of course, I was. I woke up, I think, like an hour or so later. In the afternoon, my other daughter, I, she did catch the bus. So I grabbed her from school. I planned to call the hospital to find out what was going on with Miranda. I still felt very stupid and angry with myself for the events that unfolded hours before. My phone interrupted my thoughts. It was Will. I let it go to voicemail. I had just filed that order against him, and I didn't want to add salt to the injury. Another call came through. It was a nurse from the hospital. She had alerted me that she needed me to come to the hospital as soon as possible. A situation arose for Miranda, and the a nurse informed her that, uh, well, she informed the nurse that her dad hit her. She was brave enough, she told. Hey, Miss Gina. The nurse questioned Will separately about the allegation, and then he flew off the handle. He started screaming at the nurse, and a security, a security officer was called in just in case. He stormed the hospital, stormed out of the hospital a few minutes later. I confessed to her that Will and I were separated because of the abuse. She asked if I would come in and speak with the nurse, and later family services, a caseworker, came in about the allegations. I was able to grab Zoe and drop her off with Terry at the apartment. 
I called him to let him know what the nurse had informed me before I dropped her off. I let her know, let him know what was going on. And then I checked that message from Will. He was screaming at me that I brainwashed her and was just putting her up for all these lies. But I couldn't help to feel so proud of her. She was brave enough to tell. As soon as I arrived at the hotel, the nurse brought me up to speed about the incident. I had finished a check-in process and Will, cursed, Will had cursed at the nurse and informed Miranda that she was no longer his daughter. She bar he barked at the nurse that I could finish the paperwork. I was able to complete the intake information and then finally able to see her. During her stay, she opened up further. I learned after a number of months that he had been telling her that if I went through with a divorce, it would be her fault for breaking up the marriage. So, and that she should just kill herself. Now, if you remember from a prior chapter, that's something he told me, just to go ahead that and just kill myself. So this is not something she made up, and she wasn't aware of that threat that he had made at that hospital when he said I should just kill myself because everything was my fault. So this is these, this is confirmation that he is saying these things. It's not just that I'm making it up. She didn't hear this. It's something that he has told her, and this is a common thread. He will continue to tell the kids different things, and it's things that he might have told me in private, different threats. So I know that this is coming straight out of his mouth. It's not something they overheard between he and I. So uh, many years later, after this devastating information emerged, it brought clear understanding why her angry and so suicidal anger grew over the years. And there was more, which I do, I think there was a bombshell in here later that um, caused more of her behavioral issues. I'll get into that later. I felt relieved that, and we were also exhausted from these events. The attorney worked quickly to have the visits temporarily suspended, and the court ruled for counseling and also a guardian of litem to represent the kids. In 20, 20, 2012, after my divorce, my eldest daughter admitted that my, um, the daughter that's in question right now that wanted to commit suicide said that her dad molested her. Now, this is something that has been a hot topic because the only two people that were there or that know the truth is them. Um, there's been talk that maybe she made it up, but I don't want to do that victim shaming. She knew too many intimate details that only somebody that's been intimate with a person would know. The only child sometimes when I would come home that in the middle of the afternoon that was bathed, she'd have a shower. The other two, they didn't. She was the only one that would be cleaned and showered. Excuse me, my nose is a little drippy. Um, but different things like that, so I believed her. Uh, now, I know Will has wanted me to take this out of my book, but I believe her. I didn't, in 2012, my divorce was to be finalized. There family, his family, and him. If this was a cause, why didn't I throw him in jail? I found out at that time that the statute of limitations had been met. She, at that time, we couldn't file any charges. I, my divorce was final. I couldn't bring it up in court because it was final. Had I knew this information back in 2009, oh, you bet your bottom dollar, I would have made sure he would have went to jail. But she also had asked me, please mom, don't bring it up. I don't want to go through a circus of court. I don't want to relive this and what he did. I don't want, she was ashamed. Um, so she remained quiet and she asked me to don't say anything to the police but of course I did that's how I found out about the statute now she as an adult now can file charges if she feels that she needs to do so um, so we just support her and her decision and love her it's all I can do and uh, so 
the allegation is still there. Do I know if it happened? No, but I believe her. I do, and I love her. I don't think she'd make up something as difficult as that. I really don't. Anyway, I felt like a, a caged lion waiting to pounce when I found that out. She asked me to remain silent and not to file a police report. She and her brother Nathan had remained in contact over years with phone and email. So her brother and her have remained in contact from time to time. He sent an email, and there was a sentence that shook her to the core, and that's what opened up the memory when she thought she was healed over. This was a nightmare I never wish on anyone. I felt disgusted and sadness and regret for not being insistent that the kids open up. I had asked them each from time to time, casually, if they knew anything happened that, or if they wanted to talk about anything that happened that might have been inappropriate, but they would always say, no, no, nothing happened, Mom. I criticized myself for not listening to my guts because I thought something was wrong. Why is this child bathed at 3 in the afternoon and the other kids are not? I asked why she didn't confide sooner and reminded her that she's not to blame and I didn't love her any less. We cried and we hugged. I apologized for not helping her sooner. And again, I asked her if she wanted to file a report and she begged me not to, not to say anything to anyone legally. She felt ashamed and didn't wish to be put on parade in the courtroom. My inner mama bear wasn't happy with that. So again, I went to the police station while she was at school to inquire about a possible filing. At the time of the incident, she was nine years old. Too much time had elapsed, nothing could be done. Unsure how to, how to, how this could be. I was hesitant, but I let it go. How do I know she wasn't fibbing? Again, she shared too many intimate details, only someone in that type of situation would know and she said that if she if i told the police or counselor she would deny it her father later threatened that he would rape her my heart aches for her i can only pray for her and ask for wisdom though every part of my being wished for vengeance i admit it's been tough i pray for mercy guidance for my child and for my children to have courage healing and happiness i ask my daughter to consider someday that she might be ready to discuss this with other survivors or a counselor Ooh. So that was chapter 29. Mr. Austin's giving me the thumbs up. So yes, I don't know where we're going to go next. Um, oh, we're going to hit chapter 20, 20, excuse me, 31. That's the courtroom attack. That's a situation with Mr. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's with that Mr. Awesome. <laughs> Mr. Awesome was involved in that. And I shouldn't laugh at all because it was very scary when it happened. But we're going to topic that chapter tomorrow that's my book again call me master thank you for viewing i appreciate it this is a story of what we did and what uh, went on throughout our um, crazy divorce and our life it was four years four years it took for that yeah for that divorce to be finalized it was crazy um yes i don't wish it on anybody but if you're watching please learn from my mistakes and from what i've done uh, wrong and what i've done right i encourage you to stay strong if you know of anybody that's in a situation that's volatile right now or possibly volatile do me a favor and check on them this is melinda tuning out from hope when there was none thank you for watching i appreciate it have a great day Mwah. bye